It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. We appreciate you spending some time with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Uh, hi, Fred. Hi, everyone. Nice to have you. And with us this week is one of our favorites, publisher of The Dispatcher, based in Sweden, with a wealth of knowledge about transportation and mobility, Michael Senna. Thanks for joining us again, Michael. My pleasure. Wonderful to be here again. Wonderful to have you, Michael. Thank you. Michael, you've got a new edition of The Dispatcher out, and it is headlined, Car OEMs Driving Toward Relevance or Perdition. Are we ready to be online car scribers? I think you've coined a new word there, Michael. <laughs> I, I, I looked for it. I'm, I'm sure it exists somewhere else, but it just it had, an, it had a special ring for me. I think car scribers previously meant people who write on vehicles. <laughs> Seriously. Hopefully. So yeah. you've got a new one. <laughs> okay. Readers will quickly learn that you like a nice steak, a cold glass of real milk, yep. bought at the local corner store, and you're worried that those things may vanish and so might your right to own your own car, or at least buy one from a car dealership. So go into this a little for us. Yeah, it's, it's the old zero-sum game that uh, unfortunately I think we're, we're playing a little bit of that uh, in, our, in our cancel culture today. Um, it seems like there's a, um, a move to put our car buying into another mode rather than going into the dealer and schmoozing and talking about you know how I can get a few dollars or a few crowns or a few pounds off and trading a little bit here and trading a little bit there. Um, the combination of online sales and subscriptions seems to be more in the, uh, in the OEMs and the headquarters uh, future but of course not necessarily in the, in the dealers, dealership's future. So what I wanted to do in this article was just put some thoughts down about what, what are the pluses and what are the minuses for, for not only the OEMs who are manufacturing and selling the cars or the, the dealers, but also for, for us, the people who, are, who have been buying cars from dealers over the years and some of us appreciate it, like it, others have difficulty with it, but um, you know, that's been the only option that we've had until very recently. So one of the things that you did uh, was add up some numbers mm -hmm. here. You, you looked at uh, Care by Volvo, which is, I guess, one of the early car subscription services out there. Yeah. It's it's not only one of the early ones, but it's it's one of it's one of the ones that seems to be the most serious about trying to to do this as a business on a on a, a global scale. You can you, know, you can subscribe for uh, for cars in North America and uh, most many countries in in Europe. Not every state in in uh, the United States, but most of the states. And um, they've got a an organization, a department that's set up to do this and specifically to work with, with uh, subscriptions. And, um, you know, they're taking it seriously. They want, they want to make this a, a very important part of, of how they put cars. And I said, to have a car, uh, to put cars in the hands of, um, of users who are, they can 
have a car for three years. And uh, when looking at the numbers, I mean, they're not going to do this if they're going to lose money. I mean, the whole, I think the whole point of this is to, to improve their bottom lines, to be able to generate more money, to put less money in, in, in the hands of or the pockets of middle middlemen, uh, which dealers are. Um, but it's a, it's a very difficult proposition and particularly because it's the way we buy cars and the way cars are sold is very different in, in uh, Europe versus, versus um, the United States and Canada. I mean, in the US and Canada, the dealers buy the cars. They've got a retail price or a wholesale price for the car. They've got a manufacturer's uh, suggested retail price. And uh, they also have some bonuses that they're going to be able to get if they, if they make their sales, uh, sales quotas. So they, they can negotiate. Um, you can buy a car that you want. You can order, you know, red leather and, and, and uh, buff finish and everything else that you want. It's just going to take you longer to get it. Um, but you're still going through the dealers in the U.S. You're not really ordering through a you know, directly to the, to the OEM as you, as you are with Tesla. And right now Tesla's is pretty much the only company where you can order a car online. Um, you can't, there's no subscriptions with Tesla, but you can order a car online. Um, with the subscription process, they're looking at a combination of, of ordering the car online and then picking the car up at their dealers and Tesla didn't have any dealers. So they, you know, they came up with a completely new way of, of, uh, of having a car, but most all of the other companies already have a dealer network. So they're going to try to use the dealers in order to, to be able to deliver the car and service the cars. But if you look at it, as I did, I went to, I went to my local Volvo dealer, <laughs> um, talked with him about it and, um, you know, got some insights on what, you know, what's in it for them. And it turns out there's not very much, if anything, that's in it for them because, you know, they would prefer, especially in, in Europe where they're not buying the cars, you're ordering the car. I, I walk in, I've bought now the last three cars that we bought, um, went into the dealer and I said, this is the car I want. I know that this is, you know, you're selling it. You've got, you have on your, on your, in your, um, your dealership, you've got the car there. You've got all the prices. That's the car I want. There's no negotiation. Um, you know, how long is it going to take for me to get it? I'll be back and pick it up. And then I go, go in every, every, at least once a year to get the car serviced and it's on warranty for a period of years. I mean, that's the way it works. And they're not buying the car as they are in the United States. It's very, very different. So how the subscription is going to work in Sweden versus how it's going to work in, you know, eventually in California or New York or New Jersey, it's going to be different. So uh, I don't know. As I said, um, if, if I had to, to, to decide today whether I would do it. I'd look at the numbers and look at the advantages and I see that, you know, what do I get for this? Well, I get to have a new car once every, once every year after the first year and I can keep continue doing that. And, and for that, I pay a premium of about $5,400 over the course of three years. Is it worth it? Maybe it is for some people, but it wouldn't be for me. But Michael, how fundamentally yeah. different is this from leasing a car? I mean, when you're leasing a car, you're actually, you know, it's a subscription. You're paying a monthly fee, but ever after a certain amount of time, you turn it in, get another yeah. one, da, 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 yeah. da, da, da. you have an option, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, really, how, 
where's where's the fundamental difference and 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 let's follow the money yeah where is the money as i said i've I've done all of i've done everything except steal a car so um yeah i mean i've i've leased three four four cars and of those i bought two of them out after the the lease was up so from a from a standpoint of the subscription what is the difference between the subscription versus the lease for the from the dealer standpoint um, there's a major difference because you're with the subscription, you're going directly to the OEM in all, all of these cases, but you're picking it up at the dealer. You're kind of using the dealer as your, as your funnel. But from the standpoint of the, of the amount of money, it's maybe it's a little, it's a little bit less with the lease payment than it is with the subscription payment. With the lease, you've got the car for three years. You have the same, you have the same buyout. For, 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 sorry, you don't have the same buyout with a subscription. With a, with a lease, you can buy the car or you can turn it back in. It's not a great deal to buy the car, especially if you've if you've gone over the over the mileage or the total number of kilometers that you're supposed to drive during that three or four whatever it is uh, period. Um, you know, when I talked to the dealer, the dealer said, "Look, you know, you can you can get as a deal." as a lease you can get the insurance you can get the tires you can get the the service basically it's every you get everything except having the possibility to use a different car in the case of volvo once a year in the case of a couple of the other like buick or you know cadillac you can do it kind of once a week if you want but uh it varies from one company to to another but am i going to take all my stuff out of my car once a week or even once a year takes me a year to figure out how to use the radio and then we put, get a new car. Um, you know, there, there, there are, of course, there are advantages to, to this for those customers who feel that they like the concept, but you know, there's the other possibilities is that you just, you get a car when you need it. You know, you can subscribe to a car when you need it. This isn't what Volvo, uh, care by Volvo isn't and what the other uh, solutions are. I need a car for a week. And so I'll, but then what's the difference between that and renting? Nothing. Or, or car share. I mean, that car share was sort of a little bit of that because, you know, I don't need it all the time. I'm only going to get it when I need it. Yep. Uh, and otherwise, uh, you know, uh, let yep. somebody else use it in this yep. sense. You know, how it actually plays out financially, percept- maybe perceptually. I mean, a lot of buying cars has to deal with perception rather than reality, right? Absolutely. They're yeah. selling a dream. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, if, if with, with this, I get to use a Ferrari once, sure. once, once yeah. if they let me do that, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. never go ahead, go. Yeah. No, I think that the, the whole idea of saying, saying, well, you know, with car, with, let's just take the, go into car sharing just, just very briefly. Um, you, you buy a car and you, you own it, you put it someplace so that you can have it. That's the convenience. You know, if, if everyone depended, depended on Airbnb to have a place to live, it would be a very different world that we live in. You know, this whole idea, we back to the 95% thing where 90, the car is not, not, we're not using it 95% of the time. I've gone through the exercise here with all of these things. How much, 
you know, whatever you own, you don't use your toothbrush 95% of the time or 99% of the time, you know, it's every, you, you own things because you, it's convenient for you to own things. And if it's not, you don't own them, you know, or you buy yeah. them and you, and when you need it, you can't remember where it is because you haven't used it for five years. Uh, so <laughs> I use a lot of, a yeah. lot of drawers filled with all that stuff at the house. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so I don't, you know, that, that argument doesn't hold, hold water or, or a cold glass of milk for me. Yeah, but do you well, think your, your fear is, is realistic that this could be forced on, on you and everyone else that look, uh, if, if, if it turns out, and I, and this is why I use these examples. If it turns out that the, the companies decide that this is the way they have to do things in order for them to stay in business, then that's the way it'll be. You know, I don't, I would like to have, or let's put it another way. My mother would like to have had her corner grocery store where she bought everything she needed. I mean, there was a butcher, it was a, a baker, everything was there. It was a block away. But when she said to me one day, you know, I, can you, you know, this, there's this big truck delivering things to Galdiri's that was called Galdiri's Market. There's a big, really big truck delivering thing. Why is, why is that big truck going there? And, and the light bulb went on. And the and Galdiri's disappeared after a while, and the only thing the big trucks were going to were the WalMarts. So if it turns out that that's the way things can be and have to be because it's the economical way of doing things, then it'll be that way, and we won't have dealerships, and you know people will be car sharing or or doing whatever. You know, maybe they'll even have mobility as a service. <laughs> I don't know. With driverless yeah. vehicles, of course. Yeah. yeah, as we said, we don't always get what we want. We get, we don't always choose what we need either. Yeah. So what after a year? What What does Volvo do with all of those cars? I mean, if if they're only going out for a year and then coming back to the, to the manufacturer, what happens to all well, those vehicles? There's there are two there are two possibilities also for the for the. I don't think I mentioned this for the, in the car sharing, you can, you can share a car that costs less if it's a year old. So it could be going to somebody else, not car sharing, but subscription. It could be going to a, to a subscriber who gets a lower price and has a year old car rather than having a brand new car. So that's one possibility. The other, the other possibility of course, is that it goes into the dealer and it's sold. Right? Or it goes into an auction more likely it goes into the auction where it's sold or it goes to a car rental company. I mean, there, there are lots of possibilities for where these, these cars can go, but oftentimes it's the dealer who's organizing all this. I don't know what, how, how, to, how the car companies are gonna develop the same kind of infrastructure to do what the dealers are doing for them. I mean, dealers do an awful lot of work. When on the work that I was doing with Volvo and Call, I spent a lot of time with the national sales companies and also going to the dealers and spending time with the dealers and, you know, because, you know, in the end, they're, they're the ones who had to turn the cars over to the, to the customers and we had to work with them. And during the 20 years that I was doing that, I learned a lot. Um, and you can go around the dealer network, but in the end, you're going to pay a price for it, especially in the United States where the dealers are, you know, they're buying the cars. They are the, they're the sales point for the cars. Same is true in China and, and Russia. They buy the cars and then they sell them and then, and then they can negotiate the prices. Whereas in Europe, most cars are sold. Um, most people order their car and then the, the car is delivered to the dealer and it's, then it's handed over to the customer. 
Well, it's a it's a great read. Also, Thanks. in the in in the latest dispatch here, uh, you talk about the Volvo Waymo deal, and yep. you don't think it's such a big deal. No, it's not a big deal. I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there are a lot of people, including the people at Waymo and Volvo, who think it's a big deal. But as I've ex tried to explain in the, in the, the article, um, it's not exclusive. Waymo is, is, is not going to be doing this just with Volvo. It's already doing it with three or four other companies, exactly the same thing. Um, there is there's a hint in there, and then this is from the, the this is has nothing to do with me knowing anything about these companies. That, but in the in the in the uh, news release that came out, there's a hint in there that this this car is going to be de developed uh, for this kind of service, and Waymo is is providing this kind of service. But but it isn't exclusive, so it could be used for for, you know, for somebody else can come in there and do exactly the same thing. Um, that's one reason. But the other reason is that there have been so many announcements that Volvo has made so many so many partnerships and so many deals that they've been making with various companies over the the course of the last four or five years and you have to wonder why these things are happening and what's you know what's the reason behind all of these announcements you know make cars sell cars you know get car of the year you do well and and they've been doing well and you know and these announcements have absolutely nothing to do with how well they're doing there's they're, they're producing good cars, people are buying them. So doing deals with Waymo or, or especially Uber. So I mentioned a number of, of, of agreements that they've gotten into over the last um, three, four or five years that seem to be much more for the, you know, for the folks who are investing, for the people who are gonna be putting money into an IPO. And Volvo tried an IPO, they didn't make it, they pulled back and now, in the last issue I wrote about uh, Julie making an announcement a few months ago that they were looking at the possibility of, of having Volvo merge with Geely Auto. So Geely Auto has all the other brands and Volvo has Polestar, owns 50% of Polestar, owns 30% of Lincoln Co. And so the, these Volvo and Geely come together and then there's one big company that has all of these brands. One of the brands is, is Volvo Another is Polestar, another is uh, Lotus, um, and um, and then they do uh, uh, they do initial public public offering with that company. I mean, the key here is that that Geely and the Li Shifu is the who owns Geely hasn't put all this together just to to own companies. I mean, he's in the business of of expanding and making money and and you know doing what. An entrepreneur of of the scale of Li Shifu does, which is to take the money and reinvest it and make something bigger. You know, he's invested in Volvo trucks. He's invested in in uh, in Daimler. Um, Daimler owns Mercedes Benz. I mean, it's, it's th there's no this this isn't uh, you know this this isn't something that that somebody's just doing to, to collect car companies. He's in the business of making money, and that's. Terrific. That's what people should be doing. And that seems to me that, that a lot of these announcements have to do with increasing the value to potential investors so that they will buy the stock. And once they buy the stock and then they own part of the company and then the money goes into buying something else. So one of the troubles I had with the deal or that I couldn't understand that, yes, of course, it's being done partially, if not 
largely uh, for what you say with respect to the valuation of the company or let's say the the hype associated with it or mm. whatever we we might want to do <clears throat> but in this business if if we if if we look at at the actual mobility that one might be trying to for uh, to create by this which is you know the affordable um, shared uh, ride uh, uh, driverless mobility that you know my perception of that whole thing or where I would like to see it go mm. um, I, I, I've sort of al always had kind of the feeling that that um, that the car was was more of a commodity and that the the real the the real sauce uh, behind um, the um, um, uh, th that mobility system is the is the technology package that you put on the car to be the the, the driver, and that that uh, that uh, Waymo basically controlling that that secret sauce on that um, with uh, probably maybe very little competition and ability to put that on on really any skateboard, um, any OEM, mm. um, uh, for them to operate, for, for, for Waymo to operate, as opposed to it being the commodity who says, now I need this secret sauce on top of my commodity to create a unique element that I'm not taking to the market. Mm -hmm. I guess my question is, who do you see taking the combination to market to, to actually, you know, deliver the mobility and generate the revenue out of the combination. Is, is it Volvo or is it, is it Waymo or is it a, even a third party that's put out there? I don't know. Um, independent of those two would, who does that piece? Mm. Well, I think the answer, my answer to that, to that question would have to be tempered by what I've been writing over the last five months or six yeah, months. Please do. Please. About, yeah. But yeah. about, about who's going to be controlling the, the, the primary value of the vehicle. Yeah. Um, the primary value of the vehicle is not going to be Waymo's kit. It's not going to be that, you know, whatever they're going to put on there, they're going to have to buy it from somebody else. They're not going to manufacture it. So they're going to have to give away that value. Um, in other words, the hardware, the, the yeah, computers, the and yeah, then yeah, 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 all those, that those stuff. End, those end up being commodities, okay? No, they don't end up being commodities. Oh, they don't? No, they don't. Because you, you've got, somebody has to make them, somebody has to buy them. And there's a whole value chain that's built into that. And Waymo is not at the end of that value chain. The only thing that Waymo is adding is software. And if, if you think- Is that the secret sauce? I, which is what I'm trying to get you to think about or to, to tell me. That's not yeah. the secret sauce? The, the, the fact, the software? Yeah. No. In other I mean, words, that, that's if, a commodity. If, Anybody if can is, make that. Exactly. Anybody can. Uh, uh, <laughs> exactly. Which, which, is, which, is why, which is why there are so many people in the business, which is why you know, the crews and all these Argos and you name it. Everybody's, everybody thinks that they've got the, the, the way to do this. And all they need to do is to, to put themselves in front of an investor. They get some money. They start doing it. They get GM to buy them. They get Ford to buy them. They get Volkswagen to buy them. And, you know, and it's, that's, so what, what's, 
What's the big deal with that? It's not. There's it, not. A there's not. You don't see a differentiation in that no. secret sauce. That there's <laughs> one that really works, and no. the other stuff's crap. No. You know, oh. and, and, and we already. <laughs> and we are. We already know. We already know that 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 so our friend. All, all, all our of friend the miles Elon, that way. All of the miles that Waymo has put on vehicles out there, and you're mentioning Tesla now too, yeah. and all those miles that Tesla is, is racking up on autopilot. Yeah, well, aren't, Tesla, aren't they the yeah. real value? Or, or e no? Elon Elon Musk says that that he's got a system and it's the best system, and and he's of course he says that. Better. Of course, yeah, well, of course, so does, says that. so does Waymo. I mean, yeah, they, yeah, of course, own, they, they all say that. Is. Yeah, of course, they yeah. say that. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> So, no, I don't think that the value is there. And I, I think I've said this before many times that, I, that in, my, in my, system, my way of thinking about what Waymo is doing as a part of a company whose main business is brokering ads, Waymo is not in the business of and won't be in, maybe, in, maybe in somebody else's lifetime in somebody else's parallel universe where they might be sold. Um, they're not in. They're not in Alphabet's business. They're not in, in Google's business. What they're doing is something that's supporting the businesses that those companies are in. Now, whether those whether those that software in combination of hardware that that Waymo is putting together can be used in one vehicle or a hundred vehicles of different brands because we'll have that many vehicles again and that, that many brands when everybody's electric cars and everybody can make yeah, an electric yeah, 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 yeah. an electric skateboard. Um, do I think they're going to get the primary value? No, I don't. You know, in the, in the end, the people who are going to get the primary value are the ones who are, who are putting the electricity in the cars. I mean, where, if you say you want to follow the money, where, where is the money right now in, in the making and production of selling cars? For the for the OEMs, it's in parts, services, and accessories. It's not Volvo. Before the 2009 crisis, General Motors was losing money on every car they sold. But why do they continue to sell the cars? Because they were they were making some money at least on parts, services, and accessories. If you go back now to the car sharing, where uh, or or a subscriber, if you take away. If you if you give away the the services to a, to an external company, let's say you can completely kill your your network, your dealer network, and now you're using a, a service like Bosch or or Mechanomen that we have here, you're giving away the value of the parts, services, and accessories, or let's let's say the services. So what do you've got left? You've got accessories. Well, if, if every car is the, basically is the same, you've eliminated the accessories that you're selling. And, and spare parts, well, with electric cars, you don't need that many spare parts. There, there aren't, there aren't, so, you know, where is the value in this? And the value turns out in this case, it, it, it's, in, it's in that skateboard. It's delivering 50% of the value, the, the, the total cost. If you can add more onto that, all the better. But if you're manufacturing the batteries, and if, if you know, somebody's manufacturing the batteries, somebody's delivering the electricity, you know, you've you've made up basically the 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 price of the car. Very yeah. interesting. On on that front, uh, Michael, uh, with Tesla, the yep. plans for the Gigafactory near the New Berlin Airport. You write in the dispatcher that you have some concerns that demands being made by the environment lobby in Germany yep. uh, might uh, 
bollocks up this whole thing. Throw a it's monkey so, wrench in it. You know, it's so it's so weird. As I, this area, so this 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 part of of uh, what was East East Germany, um, where the, right now the the major portion of the of the of the soft coal industry is located. And the, the, the environmental industry has been, environmental lobbies have been, you know, brutal, you know, get rid of this as quickly as possible. And it doesn't matter how many people are going to be out of work. Now you've got somebody coming in, says, you know, we're going to, we're going to put in 5,000, 7,000, whatever number, number of jobs, but it's, it's more than, it's almost as many jobs as that they're losing in the coal industry. First thing that happens is that, that folks come in there and say, you can't do this, you know, you got to do this, you're going to do this. And... What, what's happened just within the, these last six months is he's, he's halved the size of, the, of, the, of what this was going to be. He's taken out the one, one whole portion of this, the battery production. It's getting smaller and smaller. And, and you know, eventually he may, you, you have a sense of how he acts that he may just say, look, forget it. We don't need to be here. We, can, we could have been anywhere. We could go to Texas. You know, you don't like me in California. You don't let me go to work. I'm going to put my business in Texas. You don't like me here in West in in Germany. I'll put it in in uh, in France. Sweden, someplace else. You go to Sweden. I think you'll have. He would have problems. I think yeah, well. <laughs> in locating it in Sweden. There's a, there's a few companies here that might might not like it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that that. I think I, I've always made made it very clear in in the writing and when I've when I've talked in here and in, in other times of presentations. <clears throat> my viewpoint is that if you if you do what's what's now occurred with the with COVID, if you close down the world, you satisfy the requirements of the environmentalist, but basically to what what they're asking for, which is no emissions. But what's the price? You know, we're paying hundreds of billions of dollars <clears throat> and, and euro to keep people alive because there's no, they can't go to work. They can't do anything. Most people are, are working right now and the money that's being delivered by the government. If they are working and we're, some of us are able to work at home, but as I think I've, I've written that that's a very small portion. It's maybe up to 30% of people can work from home. Where that we are the non-essentials, us sitting here, we're the non-essentials. The essentials are the ones that keeping everything running, keeping the food that's coming to our house. You know, it's keeping the electricity running. It's keeping the roads clean. It's keeping the, the you know, everything that, that needs to happen. It's keeping the hospitals filled with people who can do their jobs. That's, that's, 70% of the people, they're the essential workers. We're not essential. So when everybody says, well, you know, everybody's going to start working from home, everybody, it might be 10% of 30% who are, who are not going to go back to work. So for me, the important thing is that people have jobs, that people can, can continue working and supporting themselves. And if, if you, you know, if, if everything had to be done the way the environmentalists want it to be done, we don't have a place to live. We, we, we need to solve the problems, but we don't have to solve them by, by doing things the way they are demanding that they be done, including and especially selling electric cars. 
I have been totally against the whole concept of, of electric cars as the, as the primary way of reducing emissions. There are other solutions, but we're not investigating them because we're now convinced that electric cars are going to be the, be the answer. Having said that, I think that Tesla is doing a terrific job of keeping people employed. And, uh, you know, I'm seeing more, and more Teslas here in our little community. And what, 1700 bucks a share yesterday or something like oh, that? It's, well, it's I mean, it's, it's like ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, but, but I, I, I've written and uh, not, you know, maybe pulled it from who knows where. That it, that it really is more about uh, about the way the car is sold, the way it's presented, uh, and so on. Than in fact, uh, than the fact that it's electric. And in a sense, maybe the the electric piece of it has been potentially more of a burden uh, to them than 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 uh, than uh, a solution. Simply because, yeah. again, there's there's. Uh, there's all the apprehension about buying electric and so on. Mm. And somehow they've they've gone, they've gone, uh, um, they've made it like the iPhone or you know again a hula hoop. I just gotta have one, yep. and um, and it's 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 in some sense a craze and and I guess in some sense God bless them or whatever. Yeah, he's I done mean, a great job. He's pumped it up, even yep. though I guess Germany says, oh man, he overstated. Of course he overstates. Look, you hear something from Elon. I mean, you have to filter part of it. You can't take it all with, without some grains of salt, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Michael. Always thought-provoking. My pleasure. And Michael, thank you. We'll continue in just a moment, but this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. And on the website there, we should point out, it's a good idea to read the white paper. It's titled, The Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the Insights and News tab. You can find a lot of great information there to help you make more informed decisions. You may know already that ETFs can be a smart way to spread risk with your investments, focusing on a particular category. The site again is MOTOETF.com. Well, getting to some of the headlines in the latest smart driving car newsletter, Alan, Reuters has reported that Amazon plans at least $100 million in stock awards to retain key employees of Zooks and has the right to walk away from the deal if a large number of those employees decide to leave. So, I mean, this, this kind of clause yeah. has been in a lot of uh, contracts before, right. but... Uh, I guess one, a lot of questions here. One always has to look at the terms. One is the amount, the two are the terms. The terms usually mean uh, in part, um, you know, ways to get out uh, if things don't look good. And, and the second piece is, uh, does all the money actually really get transferred if all of a sudden when you really look under the rug, uh, there's nothing there. So um, in any of these deals, um, that's, that's what's involved. And so it's come out with this. I guess we've all spe speculated that here maybe it's the people that are that are worth the most, uh, you know, in a billion dollar deal or plus, uh, you know, 10% out there for the people. And it's not a whole heck of a lot, but it is a heck of a lot. And it means that really, to me, it implies that, again, IP is important. Uh, 
that IP needs people around it uh, that know what to do with the IP and then and, and well they're the ones to, who created it very often the they're IP. the ones that created it and in the end uh, you know uh, people are important as I said you know we're trying to take people out of driving cars because uh, hey you know all you do is misbehave when you're a person driving a car and you're better off taking them out of there and let people do what they what they're really good at doing uh, which may be, you know, protecting IP. And, and this is it, it, often what you see in when, when there are deals like this is that uh, other companies, other tech companies see it as an opportunity to go in and do some recruiting. Yeah. And that's, that's obviously what's going on. No, that's obviously what's going on. Although my, um, and, and, you know, in almost any of these deals, if, you know, if all, if all of a sudden, you know, the guts of the entity disappears, um, because what you don't want, you don't want the entity anymore. So, uh, yes. Well, Amazooks is the topic of the next live Driving the Debate discussion at 2 p.m. Eastern on Monday. Again, this is live, and uh, you never know what's going to happen. To participate uh, in the online component, you need to register. Go to drivingthedebate.com. It should be a lot of fun, Alan. Yeah, well, we should. We, we're going to discuss this and also discuss, you know, what the implications of of really uh, uh, Amazon taking another step in, in, in it, explicitly another step in this direction. They have had to have been working on this very intensely. It's fundamental to their business and their, their business model. And, uh, and so, um, yeah, this is, this is an interesting one. Uh, if it's not Zooks, it'll be somebody else. Yeah, you, well, you've been saying that since, uh before we started doing this podcast that it only makes Amazon's got to be doing something with this because it makes sense for their business model to be out you here know, with autonomous delivery vehicles. Absolutely. You know, fundamental to what attracts and maybe, maybe I'm just, you know, looking at myself too much. What attracts me to Amazon is free shipping. Uh, they bury the cost of that someplace. It, it, of course, it's not free. It costs money. So you end up having to pay for it and you pay for it. But all of a sudden, you know, an expense that's sitting there in their balance sheet that they have the opportunity to take that thing and drop it to the bottom line with technology. My goodness, that's whew, to me. That's and they're doing, so, they're doing so much more of it, not just from the Amazon warehouses, but with their acquisition of Whole Foods and through the pandemic, how many people were having food delivered and, you know, getting used to that. So it's just, Name it. their I mean, needs are exponentially higher. Next thing you're going to hear is they're probably going to, you know, get into the, the restaurant business, but not the restaurant business, the takeout business, the creation of the food that then ends up getting delivered. So if we're not going to, to, to the restaurants, they're going to bring the restaurants to us. I mean, you, you, you know, you know that sucker's coming. It's got to be coming. Well, you know, Uber announced uh, <laughs> a deal with Postmates, $2.65 billion, uh, and that's a meal delivery service. So Uber is... Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, going to be yeah. a big part of their business for that kind of money. Well, it, it better be because their <laughs> other part of their business is really hurting and, and, and they've got to find something to do. And, and yes, if you can piece put the pieces together, each of them, you know, have have a distribution such that um, you know, they're 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 peaked at a certain time. You know, the kind of the tough part about the the food or the meal delivery business is it tends to be you know 
before lunch and, and before dinner. And the rest of the time, you know, uh, don't bother. If you have something, if you could have something else to do in those valleys and you put those things together, it can help you. Unfortunate thing is most of um, uh, Uber's other businesses are, are sort of all, all peaked, you know, before dinner, maybe before lunch, um, uh, certainly after breakfast, uh, uh, whatever. But yeah, if, hey, they've got to diversify because unless they get driverless on their on their main business, um, um, they're in trouble. Salika Talbot has written a couple of pieces for Forbes. One is headlined, Autonomous Vehicles Potential to Remove Discrimination in Transportation. And she makes uh, some important and hopeful points. And we've been talking about the, this issue uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks here, too. Right. And, and uh, Salika weighs in here and I think uh, weighs in very well and, and, and discusses that, look, we... Uh, we have a we have a real issue. We've created uh, the this situation in which we have uh, the mobility disadvantaged. Um, you know, it's been uh, it's been with us for a number of years. Uh, um, as if you're capable of driving and want to drive, and have the um, have the uh, wherewithal to drive, uh, then you know life is good. We've created an infrastructure that basically allows you to go from anywhere to anywhere at any time. And so all of a sudden, you know, you can take advantage of all those things. But if you happen to be on the other side of the fence of that one or on the other side of the tracks of that one, then, you know, comparatively, it is an enormous disadvantage. And, and uh, unfortunately, the, the systems that have been built, the transit systems that have provided the mobility for those who, who for whatever reason, don't provide it for themselves, is, you know, when you actually look at it, you have to roll your eyes. The comparisons, I mean, it's, it's not even close. You take, you take kids who can't drive, have to take school buses to school. Oh my goodness! And where'd we put the schools? We put. We decided we're going to create regional schools, so you have to travel all day to get there. Um, and so you know, they can't. They can't go and easily by themselves. And then you look at poor at, at people who, who um, you know, where what jobs do they have access to? They have access to the jobs that happen to be on the transit system that's been created all the jobs that don't happen to be on that transit system too. How do you get there? I guess you walk, okay? <laughs> but you know, opportunities within walking that you can do for yourself if you, if you can't drive it is not all that great. Autonomous well, vehicles really do have the potential to, to, to uh, change uh, a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, uh, Lyft and Uber, Began that the problem is is that you have the labor component on that, and 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 that ends up either being expensive, or you're abusing the people who provide the labor. Abusing, I mean, you're you're enslaving them. They're doing work for nothing. Okay, so you know you're 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 kind of stuck, and the only way you're stuck to provide that mobility, as I see, I don't know. Somebody tell me, give me another suggestion. Is the is the you know put a gizmo in there that does it, and the beauty of the gizmo 
is that it, it, at least so far, obeys Moore's law, which means that tomorrow it's going to be twice as good and half the cost. Cost. And then day after tomorrow, it's twice as good again and half the cost again. You know, the sucker asymptotically to zero. Wow. Okay, you got to take it, you got to say that, oh my goodness. And, and that means it can scale. It doesn't, it, it, it does that even faster the bigger it gets. Whereas most things, you know, if, if you have to have people involved, the bigger it gets, the more pain in a butt it is, the more difficult it is to manage all those cats. And, and, and it gets even harder, so it doesn't scale well. This thing scales beautifully. Whoa, I mean, no, no wonder investors are interested in this. I mean, what's an investor interested in? An investor is interested in something that scales. It gets and becomes, better. And becomes yeah. more profitable over time. Too. Well, well, that's the definition of scale. It becomes, right. it becomes better, easier, cheaper, but as size goes up, you know, there's, you know, there's a front end cost, but the slope as you get bigger is, is small. And so economies of scale, I don't know, whatever the economists use, you know, right. we all use for, you know, for, that's what well, you want. We're, we're hoping to have uh, Salika join us in the not too distant future. Her, her other article is headlined, The Political Economy of Autonomous Vehicles. And in this one, she talks about the impact uh, really on state and local budgets. If a lot of people are no longer driving private vehicles and we're all in autonomous vehicles, what happens with driver's license fees, vehicle registrations, public garages, and all that money that, that local governments, state governments rely on? Yeah, well, I love Salika because, you know, she was, uh, she, she was at um, uh, New Jersey uh, Department of Motor Vehicles, which, of course, does the licensing right, here in New Jersey, <laughs> and, and uh, went with her boss to Washington when, when he became administrator for the Federal Motor Carrier Administration. And, and yeah, uh, yes, but when you look at the amount of money there, it's small. When you look at the value created, it's enormous, okay? So therefore, out of that value created, you should be able to find a way to support that. We aren't going to be able to put out speeding tickets anymore. Oh my goodness, I gotta get a tissue. I mean, you know. Uh, uh, what, what happens what, to the what, annual PBA party? I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, Dunkin' Donuts, well, no, no, I won't say on Donuts. No, I'll oh, cut that one out. No, whatever. Uh, you can leave it. In. Uh, whatever. No, we, 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 we can joke around a little bit. It's serious business. But my, my goodness, I mean, if you, isn't it a shame that someone that is so well trained as a police officer to deal with really challenging things is out there handing out speeding tickets, you know, broken taillight tickets, hiding behind a billboard, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, how degrading is that to them? Right. Okay, entrapping somebody to collect a hundred bucks. And then and the, when they don't- Not, not to mention like, even the, the danger when there is 
from time to time a chase of some sort or a high speed well, kind of at least we're, 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 we're i think we've gone beyond that because right. you know 50 years ago you know we realized that my goodness that's just not what we should do and even though you know hollywood is out there you know making that seem like the most glamorous thing you, you ever did uh, at least you know they got off that that stuff and and we're beyond that but when you look at these trained very well very well trained very competent individuals doing such chicken poop stuff come on for what because we happen to misbehave on the roadway now what we need to do is have our hands slapped we need to make it serious and the oems need to go in there and put the technology in there that doesn't let us do that well that's the key. instead of and, and advertising once, once that's and, and, done Instead of them going out and advertising and making me think like, oh my goodness, I can go, you know, 130 miles. And my speedometer says I can go 160 miles an hour. That thing, it, it says that on there. Okay. I, I happen to still have one of those that, you know, <laughs> sort of does that. Where am I going to do 160 miles an hour in Jersey? Huh? Come on. And even even the stuff that we'll get to, Germany says you can go out and test test your your autonomous vehicle on our road, but you're only allowed to take it up to 80 miles an hour on the autobahn. I mean, what? My goodness, everybody else gets to go 160, but if you have one of these guys, oh no, that's fine. Okay, that would make us behave much better. That is great. Let's do that instead of putting these people in that and then creating the tensions and so on. And as I like to say, here in Princeton, the police, if, if you have a tail, broken taillight, okay, they pull you over to give you a broken taillight ticket. They check your license. They then check to see if there's an outstanding warrant. If you because you didn't fix the tail light, the broken tail light in your car, you know, and you got a ticket in the town next door for it, and you couldn't afford to pay for it because to fix it, why well, that's why it's broken now and still broken is because you prefer to eat. And now, because there's a warrant out for my arrest because I didn't fix pay the ticket for the previous time I got a ticket that broken tail light. I'm not going to get another ticket and get arrested. I mean, how do you get out from under this stuff? But most of I the time, most of the on. time, it, it isn't people who pulled over who look like you or me. Well, they, that's, what, that's whether crazy. it is or it isn't, I, I, we don't even need to go that far. Okay. You know, why is the Princeton police enforcing who knows what tickets that they got that, that Hamilton Township put out? First of all, oh yeah, well it's an agreement between towns that one town will help collect the money for, for chicken poop uh, tickets that were passed out in that town so that we would get out of here. Stop that stuff. Plus it ends up being peanuts. Well, you were talking Never about mind. the you were talking about the Autobahn, Alan, and Intel-owned Mobileye has obtained a permit to test autonomous vehicles in Germany. You kind of alluded to this, yeah. But the plan is to use safety drivers. So, in the newsletter, it seems like you're wondering why do they need a permit if there's a safety driver? I don't know. I, I, why do you need a permit? Okay. 
what law is it? What, what German law? Is, is there a German law like in New York? You got to have at least one hand on the wheel. Okay, I'll, you know, I'll rest my hand on the wheel. How do they know that I disconnected the wheel from the, this wheel from the wheels and have something else going in there to do that? I mean, they're going to turn the car upside down and check it. I, I well, don't know. <laughs> in fairness, you do need the permits. These these companies have needed permits in the U.S. as well, the different states and, and entities. Yeah, and, and, and then, they, uh, then they need special permission to take it further and take the well, safety driver course. out. So. Right. Well, of course, if you're going to take the safety driver out. But even I with think, it, they've needed permission. Uh, yeah, I know part. they've needed permission, but but somehow Elon's out there in all this Teslas, <laughs> and I don't think uh, I don't think uh, Bernard Soriano there at uh, California DMV has given him. i Bernard. <laughs> Never. But that's Elon. Elon gets to do a lot of things. <laughs> Never more, mind. More on Elon in a minute. Uh, Too simple is partnering with uh, truck maker Navistar to build a fleet of autonomous trucks. And you think the focus needs to shift a bit, I think. Yeah, I, I, I don't think the focus on trucks has been correct in some sense since the beginning. I, I, was, I wasn't still not a fan necessarily of, of platooning um, um, and, uh, and not necessarily a fan of this either. There is a real challenge with respect to commercial drivers in big vehicles on our roads. They, their job is extremely difficult. They feed their families by sitting there having to pay attention to what's going on for eight, 10, 12 hours a day. And if they lose attention for five seconds, they're dead. Okay. To me, I mean, I lose attention to what I'm doing all the time. So the, so okay. the idea, the idea of, of the technology is to, is to make their jobs better and safer. Where is OSHA in this? Where is Occupational Safety Administration in this? If this was a chicken producing place or a, a pork producing place or even a, a, an office at, at Goldmine sacks they'd be in there saying these these employees are being absolutely mistreated okay i i don't know i don't hey talk to me here yet somehow we put up we've put up with this and I can't imagine any CEO of any trucking company US Express JB Hunt um, Schneider, you name them, Cowan, uh, you know, any of them who, who don't love their, their, their drivers, their, their employees, they're not gig workers. Uh, yes, there are independent truckers out there too, but these, these are their professionals. And, and I think every one of them would love to be able to put technology in there that improves their, that quality of life. And maybe then the FCA, FMCA would, would go out there and say, hey, let's give them another hour of, um, of, of, um, of, of time that they can work and in fact become more productive, better feed their family. Uh, but we're gonna put in there the amenities that allow them to have a much less stressful 
much more enjoyable, much more sane work environment. That's where it should be focused. And guess what? That's probably going to reduce crashes. That's going to reduce liabilities. And most trucking, I'd say most, I'll just say many trucking companies are all self-insured, at least to the beginning. They might go to my uh, to to Michael Scrutato and buy some, you know, uh, uh, some insurance uh, to to cover the really big stuff. But it's mostly self-insured. So every time there's a bang, it comes out of the CEO's pocket. Those CEOs know what the value of that is. What is that? Uh, at least ten thousand bucks a truck per year. Okay. Chop that in half, you have 5,000 to play with per year. How much does this technology cost? I don't know, you know, 15,000 bucks. You can probably put more of it to improve so many lives. Why isn't that the focus? And you would think, given the way you, you describe it, that the drivers would be behind it, but a lot of them are sort of misinformed more than likely about uh, the potential of losing jobs. And that's what their fear is right, with well, autonomous technology. Uh, of course. And, and, and the interesting thing about the business is there's, there's a driver shortage. Okay, so what this would do is make the job much more attractive, have much more drivers out there, everybody be happier, you'd save money instead of paying lawyers and, and ambulances and EMTs and, and, and hospitals, you'd be putting money in your pocket. I mean, you don't, you don't even, you don't need to sharpen your pencil. I mean, this is back of the envelope should be boom. Why isn't that being pushed? And you never, I don't know, maybe somebody's going to say it at the automated vehicle symposium, you know, coming up, but, but in the, instead, oh, let's run trucks very, save one, two percent, three percent on aerodynamics. But it, well. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I don't know. People hate me. Um, no, they don't. Onward to Tesla, Alan. Uh, they're making headlines again, of course. Uh, a German court ruled Tesla's claims for autopilot and full self-driving are misleading. So uh, we, needed a we, we needed a court to tell us that. I mean, if they looked at any advertising from any uh, automobile company, they would find probably all their advertising misleading. Look at some of the Daimler Mercedes ads. I mean, they're running through deserts and, you know, uh, rooster tails are going up all over the place or they're driving Jeeps through snow that's this deep. <laughs> so I don't know what the uh, it's, 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 be it's the madman. Uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, you know. <laughs> Well, it's Tesla doesn't do a lot of advert. I guess it, well, in a sense, it's advertising. But of course, it, Elon, Elon is, he is, is the advertising. He is the advertising. And guess what? He does it. It's all free. Why? Because you and I pick it up and talk about him. Okay. And a lot of other people. Too. And a lot of other people. On that note, Tesla's stock has been way up to more than $1,700 a share earlier this week before settling down some. In investors uh, using the online brokerage Robinhood were reportedly behind that jump. And there were also rumors of another new gigafactory in China. So look at those wild swings. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know what's going on with that. 
I don't know if, I, I guess, you know, people know who sit there and watch this stuff a lot closer than I watch it sort of is suggested that, I, I don't know, if you just look at the fundamentals, here, here's a company who just went through the pan, pandemic and it looks like people were buying their cars as many as they could produce. And, you know, it's, it's probably just the fundamentals, you know, I mean, poor Elon got his wrist slapped and, and got a CEO ship taken away because he sort of said, uh, oh, I got some people who want to buy this for 400 bucks a share. And, and the SEC said, oh, you're pumping it up. Uh, what did it hit? What did you say? 1700? Is that, Se is that, is, is that more than 400? Is that, is, <laughs> is that, is, oh, I mean, Jesus, SEC should go, oh, sorry, sorry, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> whatever we can have fun with it it's, well, it's a, there, there are there are some analysts out there saying that uh, over the next year or so they'll go over 2000 but who knows i mean it could be the way they've rocketed up this year it's it doesn't seem reasonable but who am i to say right yeah you know i'm going to holland and i'm gonna buy a bunch of tulips you know i mean <laughs> yeah hey you there there are some very interesting charts that one can look at on the web of bubbles you know uh in fact uh, my my uh, my youngest daughter did her senior thesis here at princeton on bubbles economic bubbles but you know it's it's really interesting um hey look at the amazon what's it selling for three yeah. thousand or whatever why didn't i buy it at three bucks <laughs> fred talk to me here <laughs> well we want to remind people again alan about the the driving the debate session it's scheduled for two o'clock eastern on monday uh register to take part at drivingthedebate.com the focus is going to be on that amazon zooks deal and you can find previous discussions on the site too. Uh, been a redesign there; it's looking pretty good. Yeah, and yeah, that'll and, do it. Uh, yeah, ahead, and I, th I think on the you know on the Amazon Zooks, it's really, it's really then then I think in part need, people need to think about is that my goodness, we we move we need to move not only people but stuff. And if all of a sudden the same the technology can move stuff as well as people actually probably can move stuff a lot easier than people. And certainly it can move stuff without, you know, uh, the, all the uh, angst uh, associated with moving people. So in some sense, it's, it's almost a perfect um, uh, laboratory uh, first step to doing it. And if, if there's economic support for doing that, if you can in a sense make money doing that and make even more money doing that well and really well then all of a sudden they make moving us trivial and the value delivered so i the question is is, is that the dynamic here and is that a real dynamic or is that again another pipe dream or whatever and so on and so forth or what are the hang-ups who's going to come out of the woodwork to throw monkey wrenches into it and whatever uh, and so on, but I, I hopefully that's that's the kind of discussion we end up uh, getting into on on Monday. Yeah, and uh, again, it's it's going to be live. Shows really interesting, great great panel, and you can sign up to participate 
at drivingthedebate.com, and it's scheduled again for 2 p.m. Eastern Monday. That'll do it for this edition. Thanks to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO, and more information is available at MOTOETF.com. We want to thank Michael Senna for being with us this week. Always thought-provoking. And for more, you can go to his website at michaellsena.com. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you go to get your podcast. You can ask your smart speaker to play us too. My tech reports are at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching, and stay safe. And have a great day and a great upcoming weekend.